Friends, welcome to another episode of Inquire Inside. My name is Landon Wietrich, and today we have a very special guest, my wife, Hannah. Hannah is a chiropractor, owner and operator of Junebug Boutique, and a stay-at-home mom. Now, is she all these at once? Well, yes and no. She'll tell us all about it in today's podcast, along with an encouraging message for young moms. Thank you for joining me as we inquire inside today, and we're going to jump right into the conversation. All right, so the red light is on. Does that mean it's recording? Yes. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I'm going to steal a tool from Max Tuning's bag, and I'm going to ask you, what's your Uber speech? When okay. you get into the car with an Uber, or do I say do you, when you get into an Uber? When you get into an Uber... And the driver asks you what you do. What do you say? I tell them I'm a stay-at-home mom. But I'm a chiropractor. And I own my own business. But it's not a chiropractic business. That's what you would say? Yeah, I think so. I think I would start out with, I'm a stay-at-home mom. But then I would definitely add that I'm a chiropractor. Because most of the time when you're a stay-at-home mom, you kind of get like a, oh. Then I'm like, but I am a chiropractor too. Fair enough. Fair enough. It usually leads to, are you practicing? Where are you practicing? And then I'm like, no. I stay at home with my kids, but I started this little business to be able to stay at home to supplement my income. Which would lead us to... Owning my own business. And what's your business called? Junebug Boutique. So why Junebug? What's what's the significance of Junebug? Some of these questions I'm going to ask you are questions that I already know, and some of them I'm going to ask you because I forgot the answers. So Did you forget the answer to this? No, it's because of our daughter, right? Right, when yes. she was born. She was born in June. Right. And that was... Her nickname for a little while, not very long, Junebug. Yeah, not very long. Um, I think it was even before we found out if she was going to be a boy or a girl. Oh. We just we knew that she was going to be born in June, right? Right. So she was our little Junebug, or they were, quote unquote, until the gender was defined, and then we decided what we were going to name her. So. And then initially, your plan was to just do bows, right? Hair bows, yeah. Hair mm-hmm. bows. And then from there, it morphed into... So when people ask me what you do, I say you have an Etsy shop and you make baby clothes. Okay. Well, that's not incorrect. Okay. But I feel like baby clothes doesn't really do it justice. I mean, because you make things like bummies, which... I would not know what bummies were unless I was married to you. And then you make like onesies, you make shirts, you make joggers for kids and babies. Yeah, rompers, dresses. Okay. Hats. All sorts of garb. Yeah. And I don't think you like answering this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Where did you learn or how did you learn how to sew? 
Okay, so initially, I did not like answering this question because I was suffering from imposter syndrome. And I am self-taught. So I learned how to sew by trial and error and by watching YouTube videos. And so I felt like that would discredit me. But a lot of people, when they do learn that about me, they're like, wow, that's really impressive. You didn't have any sort of formal teaching. Like I, I didn't even sew like in a home ec class or anything like had never done it. So don't ask me why I was motivated or confident enough to decide that's what I was going to do for my entrepreneurial adventure. But yeah, I just figured I could do it. And it turns out I can. And you enjoy it. I mean, like I can tell you enjoy it, like, like sewing and you, you sew literally every day. I do. Yes. Every day. That's another question I get a lot is when do you find time or do you do it every day? Um, because when you think of being a stay at home mom, obviously my kids are going to come first in the household and all of that, but I find time to squeeze it in pretty much every day. Yeah. Do you sleep much? Depends on the season I'm in. Sometimes they're slower than others, but it's holiday season right now, so not very much. Um, I know you're kind of laughing about it because of my poor sleeping habits, but we have two little kids, and when they go to sleep, I sew. As we're recording this, I'm watching the baby monitor. Both kids are in bed, so we're 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 hoping they continue to sleep through this. Um, how many sewing machines do you have? Sewing machines? I have one sewing machine. I, I'm going to ask. I'm going to be very literal. I have one sure. sewing machine. I have a serger, which is an overlock machine, which makes your professional finished edge um, of any garment that most people wear, like T-shirts, all of that. And then I have a cover stitch, which makes your hem. So like on your sleeve right there, you have a nice hem. A cover stitch will make that double stitch and make it really nice and professional looking. I started off with only a sewing machine. So I was making hair bows and then I quickly moved on to adding bummies to my shop and I sewed the first probably 100, 200 orders with just a sewing machine. Um, but then I quickly outgrew that wanting to make more complicated patterns um, and kind of branch out what I was offering and so I needed an overlock machine, which is a serger, to make my life easier and make my things more professional. So you have three machines total? Yes. Okay. And we, you started Junebug Boutique in 2020? Yeah, February of 2020. Okay, very good. And then roughly how long would you say it was like that you started making the bows till you started actually making like transitioning into clothes. I mean, obviously you still make, make bows to this day, but when did you start doing the clothes as well? So I think I got my first order, like a, the first day that I opened somewhere the late February. And then, um, I had had our Instagram going up since January. Cause this is when my, 
my um, idea for it started coming, but then I needed to make products and wanted to make sure that when I did my launch, like I had a few different styles and things like that. So after you get onto Instagram or the social media world, you kind of see what else is out there, see what other baby clothes boutiques are offering. And a lot of them were doing like the hair bow with the matching bummy, which is a diaper cover um, type of little bloomer bottom that um, little girls wear. And it was a big thing to have those matching. And I was like, I can do that. So I started February, end of February, and I think I made bummies by March, like four weeks later, maybe, like about a month. Wow, okay. Um, I found some material that I really liked, and I was like, I would really like to see this as my first bummy, and I made it, and a lot of people liked it. I sold out of those, actually, the first ones that I ever made, so that was pretty confidence boosting. So really what you did is is you saw what was in demand. For sure. You saw yeah. what other shops were doing and you you tried your hand at it. Right. Yeah. Um I feel like a lot of people when they start a business or want to start a business or think even think about starting a business, they're like, "Oh, what? I need to make this like new invention. I need to have this new thing, right? Um, And I feel like that's what people are hesitant to even put themselves out there because they're like, well, there's so many people that are doing this. Um, Which, yeah, you have to have a product that you know that you love and that you're confident in, but also you don't really need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, Yes, put your style, your spin on it, but I saw that this was a product that a lot of people had, and I figured it would be relatively easy to do, and it was, so. That's really cool, and I knew you and I have had these conversations in the past, but have you have been copied, right, by competitors? Have I been? Yeah. Or, or or has it more been like from a, from a fabric standpoint, maybe not necessarily from a design or pattern standpoint? Well, so in the small shop world, I feel like it happens a lot that people copy. But what I have experienced is I make a product handmade by me in our sewing room or, you know, in the basement of our old house. And... I put a lot of time and effort into it and I sell it to XYZ person and they send me pictures of their kids in it, right? And so I put it on my social media and um, they give me the right to, obviously. But then I've had third-party people that sell cheap versions of our product on Amazon and they use our photos like the photo of my product on a child for their product that they make which is not right I mean that's but, awful I didn't know that yeah so there was actually one 
photo of Cora that was on Amazon. Like somebody sent it to me and they're like, do you sell on Amazon now? And I was like, no. So then you just report the person um, because what they're doing is just selling a cheap product that kind of looks similar and are either too lazy or they just don't want to get regular photos. They take these nice photos that you have of your product and yeah, take it without the parent's permission. In this case, it was us, but I've had other reps that know that their kid is wearing my outfit, but they're like, I saw it on Zulily's website. And I'm like, well, I'm not selling from there. So mm. then you have to go and report it and try and get it taken down. That's That sucks. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. But I have had people order those products thinking they were mine. And then, oh, no. and then they get get them and they're like, oh, I can tell that this definitely isn't your quality. Like it's not even a knit material. It's a woven or you can tell it's cheap and made in a factory, you know, with no attention to detail. So, yeah, it's kind of scary, actually, if you think about it. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a little bit. You mentioned the fabric. So everything you have is is handmade by you. Yes. 100% made in America or as, cause even, even the fabric is organic. Tell me about that a little bit. The, the, as far as the fabric, where it's yeah. sourced and everything. Um, so when I started out just making bows, I was buying run of the mill stuff from like Hobby Lobby or Joann's. But then I quickly realized that that wasn't the quality that I wanted to offer. And so I wanted it to be USA milled organic like certified organic cotton um, which is more sustainable for our planet but it's also very good for your kids Um, there's tons of chemicals and dyes and all sorts of other nasty stuff that you obviously don't want your kids to have on their body and so once you start learning about safety protocol and safety certifications for children's clothing you really dive into like kids pajamas for example have to have like a certain degree of fire retardant like in the material or they have to be 100% cotton in like snug fitting Mm. just so like obviously it's safe for the kid like if they lord forbid were ever in a house fire or something it's safer for them but you think about like do I want my kid to be sleeping in this like chemical soaked suit basically and so then I started reading more into it and like all of these like polyester blends and these like bamboo lycra type fabrics all have a certain amount of chemicals in them and so I wanted to go as natural as I could with it and so I figured organic cotton for the most part yes some of my fabrics have a little bit of elastic in it just to provide the stretch but I would say 95% of my fabrics I use are all made in the U.S. yes and, and elastic is not necessarily no it it is but um it's just woven into the fabric it's okay. not 
like all elastic. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, it's it's spandex. Okay. Technically, so <laughs> like if you get a pair of Lululemon joggers, they're higher percent of spandex because they have more stretch. Sure. So. Sure. But okay. if you're, you're like your t-shirt's probably one hundred percent cotton. I think so. Yeah. Probably not from America. But. No, no, not not this one for sure. Um. And as as far as like the future for Junebug Boutique, I mean, do you see like your your, your primary focus on on baby clothes right now? Like, I guess there's always like variety when there's always something new. There's always new trends. There's there's different patterns that you can get on the fabrics and right. so forth. So there's really no end inside as far as what you can do staying in the baby market right well you you keep saying baby which is fine because the majority of my clients i suppose are babies but is when, child the more appropriate yes word? Okay. i i feel like um when people hear baby they automatically think like newborns yeah, like yeah. okay i have a two-year-old so this would not apply to me but i obviously make things for Cora who's three I mean my all of my patterns go up to nine ten and I've branched out recently this last drop and made adult like sweatshirts to match their kids because that's really in right now it's the mommy and me thing well that's kind of where I was going with that question is do you see that happening more as far as making adult clothes or or probably not um so selfishly probably not just because the quality of clothing that I want to provide makes it fairly expensive. Like my the fabrics that I source are fairly expensive. Yeah. And an adult garment obviously takes a significantly larger amount of fabric. And so I find that people are comfortable spending more money for organic clothes for their kids but they really don't care as much for what they're putting on their bodies if that makes any sense i don't know if it necessarily makes sense no. but i can actually understand it i can it, understand that that logic it, typically we, we we we're willing to sacrifice more for our kids yeah um it kind of is just funny to me because i i see that with a lot of things like oh this isn't safe like with my skincare that I was talking to you about, like, okay, this isn't safe for the mom to mm -hmm. use when she's pregnant and or nursing her child. But it's completely safe once you're done doing those things. And it's just like, is it though? You know? Yeah. It's just a question I, I have. And obviously you and I, I don't think that there's been a time where I, I look at the material of the clothing that I'm purchasing for myself personally and I'm like mm, I can't put that on my body because it has certain you know so I'm saying I'm calling myself out here as well I do stay away from uh rayon just because it shrinks terribly but but not because it's harmful in any way right no yeah all right let's let's transition a little bit um and maybe we'll circle back to your business but um 
how many did how many I just stuttered right there. How many degrees do you have? 98. No, <laughs> it was a bad joke. Anyway. Um, is that a quote from a movie or something like that? No, 98 degrees is a band. Nick Lachey. It was like in the okay. boy band era. Anyway. Um, Fair enough. I have a bachelor's degree in biology. I have my master's in sports science and rehabilitation. And then I have my doctorate in chiropractic. Three degrees. Isn't that a little bit greedy? I don't think so. <laughs> Just um, so uh, we met, you had graduated from Logan University Chiropractic School in, I want to say December of, no, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this and then you correct me if I'm wrong, okay? I want to say it was, maybe it was December, I'm going to say December of 2015. That's correct. When I graduated? Yes. Really? Yeah. To the month? To the month, December, which is a random time to graduate, but wow. uh, Logan did trimesters. Yeah. So they had, they graduated three classes a year. I can't believe I got that right. So, and then... Um, so, so chiropractic, you did that up until we had, well, well, it was even while we had Cora for a little while. Yeah, she was a little, I mean, she wasn't a year yet. A little less than a year when you stopped practicing. Well, when did I qu quit? July? I thought it was August. It was August, you're right. So she was over. And I'm nailing it on these dates. She, she's, she was over a year then. Because she was born in June, okay. Yeah. So, Okay. She was the motivation for me getting out of chiropractic. So. Sure. Just because I wanted to stay home. Sure. So what what made you a woman with three degrees marry a college dropout who was making 30 grand a year at a gym? <laughs> Well, As a manager. I, I, full disclosure, I didn't know how much you were making back then. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It was the muscles. Oh, yeah. yeah that's for I sure. I was going to say, good looks and charm will go a long way, boys. Oh, Let me tell no. You. That's really <laughs> funny. Um, I really love you. You knew how much I was making when we got married. You didn't know how much I was making when we met, because when we met, I was at Club Fitness. I was making even less back then. Yeah. I don't think that that necessarily matters, but I mean the money. Um, yeah, I I love you, and I felt like the Lord led us to each other. So, who am I to tell him he's wrong? Um, that was a self-deprecating question. It was meant to be a joke. You got lots of cards in your hat, bud. Toot your own horn. Oh. Thanks. I'll see if I can find one of those cards. Um, <laughs> so let me ask you this, kind of on the, the, the coattails of that question. When I'm making millions, do you think you'll still be, do you think you'll still be making children's clothes? Child's clothing? Um, I mean, hypothetically. I mean, yeah. 
That's a loaded question. I feel if you're asking me if I feel like I will continue to desire to contribute to our household financially, then yes, I I do believe I will. Yes, I will always want to make my own kids clothes. Like I really like mm. making clothes sure. for our kids. And so if it wasn't about making money, I think that like if we were, I don't know, financially sound, like you, I don't know, say that I didn't need, necessarily need to be making money from my business would I, I don't think I'd put as much pressure on myself. Like, yes, I really enjoy it. Um, and I enjoy, I do enjoy making clothes for other people because I really like when other people like what I make. Um, but I don't know if I would offer like as, as many styles or as much, as many like drops as I do. I probably wouldn't do as much. Like I'd probably still do like holidays, things like that, but I don't think I would, like I said, put as much pressure on myself so I could have more time with the kids. Sure, sure. So I guess kind of why I was asking was how much do you like it? Like if you didn't have to, you would still do it. And, and, and you answered the questions. Like you, you like it enough that you would continue to do it. Yeah. I mean, especially for our kids. Would you say there's an aspect of it that is, and, and uh, on previous previous episodes, I've talked about this with, with guests, like, do you, there's a fulfillment aspect for you as well, as far as being able to contribute in this way, financially, but then also... There's that aspect of it, and just and I'm 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 saying this, and also kind of asking this at the same time, just because of what I do know about you and how how I know you and how you operate. You're you have a creative side, and this is absolutely a creative outlet for you. This 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 scratches your creative itch, and you are someone who. And this is what I've witnessed in you, regardless of what environment you are in, you like to contribute in some way or another. Sure. And um, so I think for you, this is fulfilling and rewarding in that aspect. Like I said, regardless of whatever financial needs that we would have for the family, you would you would do this just because it's like your way of contributing supporting am i i don't know if i'm asking this question right but does that make sense yeah no totally um i think that's kind of what i said right like that even if no don't get me wrong it's not like i'm making millions of dollars with my small business like i don't want people listening to this being like well how well is she doing the margins on kids clothes is not very large um especially when you're making nice quality clothes um, but it does, it, it, it is great, um, for me to be creative, like you said, 
kind of make it's it's all about making something from nothing really like you get this fabric in the mail that's like you know five yards of just absolutely nothing and then you make it into this cute Christmas dress or and then you see kids wearing it and you see people buying from your shop over and over again and I mean I've made like some of my really good friends from this shop that I've like met like I've these people are from different states and made an effort to like come and meet up with up with me you know so it's more than kids clothes it's definitely an outlet for me to be creative to financially support or contribute to our family and then it is there is a social aspect to it from the social media being in the trenches of motherhood with all of these other moms that are buying clothes for me like hey my kid took their Easter pictures in your outfit look at how cute it is you know and sharing those moments with them is really fun so I think I would definitely miss it if I didn't do it correct me if I'm wrong we just and maybe this is how I should have worded my question earlier but I feel like it's just as much for you as it is for us. Yeah. I think that's what I said. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... I think that I, is basically what you said. You're not I, chaining I me to my surgery saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> you have to make 17 pairs of joggers tonight. Like, I, I'm doing it because I, I like it. Yes. That's cool what you said about the community aspect as far as of... Uh, other young moms and like that you never would have met otherwise like you met through social media and just uh, right them buying clothes for me just like taking a shot on this Etsy shop that had probably at the time when Bridget who I'm speaking of first bought for me I think I had maybe 400 sales like now I have I think well over 5,000 sales and so um it's just been neat to like see her kids kind of grow up and they're like wearing my clothes throughout all of that. So it's just neat. That's really cool. Do you miss chiropractic at all? Do you miss adjusting people? Why adjust you? It's been a while. It has been a while. Um, but (laughs) yes and no. Um, I really enjoyed chiropractic Um, And I still do. And I'm not saying that I will never go back to practicing. Um, You and I have talked about it. Yeah. I mean, it's not even for, I'm not even like for, for financial reasons. It would just, it, because like, it's like you had this degree and it's like, you're very good at it. And it's like, why wouldn't you use it? Right. Right? Not to toot my own horn. Um, But There is an aspect, like I said, that I do miss. Um, There's something rewarding about going and helping people and helping them get out of pain. Um, But there is an aspect of that that is very draining. Um, I don't know if I fully realized my personality until I was in practice full time. And I realized like how my personality doesn't really um, mesh with 
being a caregiver who um, is really hands-on and like spends a lot of time, like there's a difference between, and I'm not knocking any profession at all, but you can go to your GP, your general practitioner, and be with the doctor for maybe like five to 10 minutes, like total. And that's after their nurse came in and like triaged you, took your blood pressure, all these things. And then they're in there. What are you here for? Here's your script. See you later. And normally it's not like a, we're going to sit, we're going to chat, we're going to, I'm going to put my hands on you. And for me, a lot of my patients ended up just really laying out a lot of their emotional baggage along with their physical pain to me and I don't think people really realize how connected like physical pain is to like emotional things like I've I mean just stress and trauma and all of these things that people would come in and say I had the worst day like I found out my husband cheated on me and I would just take that home and like, it would really weigh on me because like you said, I'm a person that I want to provide a service, but I also want to like make people happy. I want to fix their problems. And so when I'm not only like listening to their physical problems, but also their like emotional, their family problems, it was a lot for me to take And when there was somebody that sometimes like chiropractic just doesn't get people better. Like there, some people neglect their themselves for years and years and years. And then their personality, they, they want it fixed by you, by another person in like a visit. So some people like that, it was just so, so emotionally draining on me because like I, I couldn't provide what they wanted. And that really made me leave with like a sense of like failure and I don't do well with that. So. Cause if you have a, you know, a crappy lifestyle, you know, it'd, it'd be like if, if you want, if you went to a trainer, expect them to get you fit with a couple workouts a week, but then you're, you're eating McDonald's every other hour that you're not there with the trainer, you're not going to get in shape. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I use that analogy a lot. It's like, yeah, you go to the dentist, what, twice a year and they clean, they do a deep clean, but you have to brush your teeth every day. Mm-hmm. And people just didn't, people just didn't yeah. do it. They just, they're like, no, my back hurts. I want you to fix it. It doesn't matter that I'm 50 pounds overweight and I just sit at a desk all day. And so that is also frustrating. I'm not like pinpointing anybody here. I'm just saying that it it was a really frustrating for me, um, because then they would they would blame me like you're not getting me better. Yeah, and yeah. that was just infuriating. That's a lot to carry. For sure. I mean, and there would be sometimes that I would just be so like so stressed out from my job, and it wasn't that I didn't like my patients. I did. I really liked the like the social aspect as well and like getting out of the house um getting to interact with people but yeah yeah I would take what I'm doing now over going into practice maybe for myself it would be different but when I was working for another doc it was just a lot of pressure 
because you're playing multiple roles there. You're not only treating whatever issues that they have, and but you're also you have to get involved in their lifestyle to an extent because you have to know what are they doing that's causing them to need chiropractic. And we could we could make the argument that everyone needs car chiropractic to a point, but that's that's a whole other conversation. But is it their like you were saying, like is it because they sit at a desk all day? Is it because they're an iron worker? Is it because they were in a car accident or is it because they're they're an athlete and they keep doing this or doing that and so I'm you I know you've had all those kinds of patients right you know athletes to you know, people that were in car accidents to people that are you, you had yeah. all those people right mm-hmm. um, like in I mean I've treated infants too that's right yeah like elder like geriatric people mm-hmm. so I guess what I'm saying is is you became very familiar with their lifestyles and then, of course, you're with them longer, like you were saying. And so oh, yeah. small talk does come up. Right. And I think people do sense my, uh, well, I know several people like this. My sister Cambria is one of them where they just sense that you're willing to listen. And I feel like some people have, uh, I feel like I, I'm kind of that way too. People can sense that you're willing to listen. And so they just, they share everything. And now you've got to carry that. You become their bartender. Yeah, yeah, to, uh, yeah, to a certain degree. And then you have to hear all this negativity, and you can't do anything about it. You feel somewhat uh, helpless to help them, right? But then and- again, sometimes all that that's helpful just for you to listen, right? That doesn't necessarily make you feel better but they might feel better just getting it off your chest, but then now they gave it to you. Right, right. No, and then some people are very good at, at being just the sounding board and like being completely unbiased and not taking that and like putting it on themselves. But I'm not one of those yeah. people. I'm very like, I take ownership of other people's problems and that's, you've gotten on me about that before. Like not everything needs to be fixed by me, yeah. but... I have yet to learn that. Isn't it interesting though that it's really sad. I just, I feel like people that struggle with, and and it it makes sense, I guess, but if with physical problem with problems, whether it's chronic pain or whatever type of health issue, how much it impacts their mental well being. Like you said, like not only are they dealing with this, bad back or, or, or bad shoulder, whatever, or bad, or their, you know, sore neck migraines. They also have like all these emotional struggles and like this, this, this rough personal life. It's just fascinating to me. Well, sad, but also it maybe not, maybe fascinating isn't the appropriate <laughs> word. It's, it's interesting how for some people, it just seems like when it rains, it pours, they kind of have all these kind of issues. And you, in, you really do wonder if it stemmed from this injury right right when this injury they were laid up for x amount of weeks or months and that made them stress eat and when they finally got out of the cast they were overweight and that made them not like themselves anymore and then they struggled with their with their relationships and they no longer felt confident like in their job and made made it hard to get a job so then they got evicted and it's just kind of a, a snowball effect and those kinds of things not everyone. Well, no, no, ab- absolutely not. But just 
and and I don't want to I, I I beat this bed this dead horse way too often, but just health is so much of the foundation of um well it's just the foundation and i mean well yeah. you if you, you know, yes yes we're we're christians and we would take a, a step back and we would right. talk about our, our faith and everything but i'm saying like as far as physical things like like so much of it starts with health and how that because that affects your mind it affects how you perceive yourself how you perceive others your attitude and it's just uh it's really the beginning is if you feel well you will do well i truly believe that. yeah um I definitely agree with you. And I mean, there are several studies that link physical pain to depression, to mental health issues. So it it is hard. I mean, think of like the last time that you were in pain or you were physically ill. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't the jolliest person, right? And mm-hmm. And you definitely have like a negative mindset when you are in pain. And so some of these people were dealing with chronic pain. Like some people came in. And they're like, I've been dealing with this pain for 12, 15 years. I'm like, what? Yeah. Every day, like daily pain. And so when you are, you wake up, the first thing you do, you open your eyes and your back hurts. Like, come on. Like, that has to take a toll on you mentally. And so it just was hard to get people out of that. Like, oh, I'm going to hurt forever. Like, this is just, you know, my the thorn in my side type mindset. I'm like, no, you, you can feel better. Like I'm going to help you, but you need to help yourself. You need to start moving your body. And I know that it hurts a little bit, but um, it was amazing how many people we would see people for a treatment plan and they'd start to feel better. And then they'd stop. They'd immediately stop showing up. Like the visit after they were like, I didn't have any pain when I woke up. It's like, okay, but I explain at their first visit, hey, we're going to get you out of, out of pain. And then I'm going to teach you like some things to do to keep you out of pain. And they get to that point of I'm out of pain. And they then they're like, it's not worth it to me because I, I you fixed me. I'm done. And I'm like, well, yeah, I fixed you for now. And then people are like, oh, that's why you have to go to a chiropractor all the time. And it's like, well, no, if you would follow through with your treatment plan and let me give you some tools to use after you, like after your treatment plan is done, like maybe, you know, do some core work or some breathing or some stretching, just like, not like go run a 5k, but just little things. And it would be so amazing how many people would be like, oh, I don't do it. I don't do the exercise thing. I'm like, well, this is five stretches. It's going to take you 10 <laughs> minutes, you know, like uh, 10 minutes of your day. Like do it while you're watching your show. Yeah. But so many people were like, oh, no. Because it, it goes back to like they want me to do yeah. it. So that was frustrating too because I'm like, I could help you so much more if you just let me. But it's all about priorities. Yeah, I've heard it said, Rome wasn't built in a day. And that's probably a quote that was referenced a lot on campus at chiropractic school. But it's like what people don't realize is that, and and you've alluded to this several times in this conversation, but people's people have been living this way with whatever bad habits, whether it was their their posture or 
the way they were sitting or whatever, or how they've been working, it's taken potentially decades to develop the spine and neck issues that they have now. And so it's not going to be fixed in a, in a matter of days or weeks. Well, right. I've, I've used the um, analogy like you don't go to the gym once and lose mm. 50 pounds. You have yeah. to keep going. And, but people don't want to do that either. Yeah. So um, it, it's, it's the same. It's amazing how much people will, how much money people will spend for like on something that will do the work for them. Like drugs? Like. Or pain meds. Pain meds or a TENS unit. You know, so many people are like, well, can you just give me a back brace? Or can you do, give me some orthotics. Not that orthotics wouldn't help you, but can't you just, you know, give me some, like sell me something, a support. Or I need a ergonomic desk, which, yeah, those all help. But it's like, you're going to spend $600 on this desk that, like, raises up into the air, but you won't, you know, get on my elliptical in the office for five minutes. Like, it's just so frustrating to me. Not that an ergonomic desk isn't great. And and that is a step. Like, yeah. getting up out of your seat and standing while you work, That's that's been great. I don't want to blow my own horn, but I said something in, uh, I think it was last week's podcast that I've been reflecting on a little bit, is that for some people, they're their dark place or their their state that's causing them pain is their comfort zone. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so they continually return to it. And it's like this is like this is what I know. Like Yeah, people definitely I mean you I saw that with chiropractic a little bit, like um just with lifestyle choices or things like that, like go, going to a chiropractor was out a chiropractor was out of their comfort zone. And so a lot of people are anxious or nervous or get white coat syndrome coming to me. Um, but that's definitely true for people, especially with like eating. They're like, well, it's too hard to eat healthy because this is what tastes good. Or, you know, it's so tied with their emotions that they're like oh well eating this makes me feel good even though it makes me feel bad and I feel like that's why it's so hard for people to change their habits and eating habits lifestyle habits you name it it's definitely um what's keeping them back I've in most cases like I said at the beginning of the podcast like people that are so afraid to like start their own business. I feel like that has a lot to do with it. It's like, no, this is where I'm comfortable. Like I'll, I'll go to this job that's literally draining everything. Like I hate my job and I complain about it all the time. And it's like the bane of my existence. But when you're like, okay, well, what would make you happy doing? It's like, oh, owning my own business or, you know, doing X, Y, Z, being an entrepreneur. But that's, that's too scary. That's too hard. It's like, well, you got to, to quote, is it Andy Frisella? That's like, we got to choose your heart. You know, like. That sounds like Andy. I think because he's the one that does the 75 yeah. hard, right? Yeah. And it's like being overweight and hating yourself 
it, that's a one form of hard. Mm-hmm. He's like, and also like eating well and like getting in the best shape of your life is really hard too. But you got to choose your hard. Not to I we this went on a very different path, but no, it's fine. I think I, I kind of took it here. So, isn't that crazy how? And I'm speaking to myself when I say this. I I don't mean to be pointing fingers at others. But we fear uncertainty more than our present, our current state of pain. It's because, and it all goes back to, (laughs) it's what we know. Even Mm -hmm. if this is painful, it's we're at least aware of it. We're at least familiar with it. And... We know the we know its extent, and yeah, I, there's a possibility of a better outcome in this other scenario, but there's a possibility for pain there, and I I guess our fear is what if that pain is worse than this pain? So right. I'll just stay in this pain. Yeah, um, I I don't believe that. So like everybody is out there like living a miserable life because of this. I I don't believe that. I do believe people are holding themselves back from their full potential because of fear or comfort. Um, And it might, for some people, might not necessarily be pain. It might just be more of a, it's less than ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to when I, when I was in practice, there were just a lot of people that were like, well, I didn't have time to do this or I don't have the financial ability to make my health a priority. You're referring to your patients, right? Yeah, yeah. Like so many people would be like, well, I can't afford to come see you that many times. And it's like, okay. But they would come in with Starbucks every every visit. And it's like, well. Yeah. And your insurance does pay for chiropractic most of the time. So, well, not mm-hmm. all of it, but a lot of it. So. It's just interesting what people choose and what people's priorities are. Perspective and priorities. Well, their perspective shapes the priorities oftentimes. For sure. And I'm not speaking from a place where I have it all figured out. Like, I I mean, I could definitely make some even better life, health choices, things like that. I could exercise more. I could prioritize things more so I'm not trying to say like listen to me because I have it all figured out and just to I mean I have it all figured out but (laughs) um but just to just to give those people struggling some grace we also don't know their whole story for sure yeah and that's something I have to remind myself because I get really disgusted with with some people and how they just don't seem to care um, but yeah, you just don't know their whole story. Um, you know, like we have, we have two small kids and so that can make our time alone very rare. Minimal. <laughs> yeah. Minimal, rare. It can, it's, it's harder to find time to work out. It's harder to take care of yourself and I'm not saying it can't be done because I, I really, I feel like we both do fairly well. I was just going to say, I feel like we've been really good about that yeah. lately. Can, yeah, I think, we, but, uh, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's, it's just harder. Um, oh yeah. 
so yeah, but, and I guess I'm saying like for, for our, for us, it's challenging because we have two small kids, but then what about the couple who has, you know, we, we know families like this who they've got like five kids under 10 right. or six kids under 10, something like that. And, you know, maybe one or two of them have this illness or they're, they're a special needs child or something like that where they need 24 hour care. Well, all kids need, you know what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, so those are the things that we don't always take into account. Oh, sure. So, um, one question I was going to ask you earlier when we were talking about your shop and I forgot to ask it at that time. So, so Etsy, your, your shop, it's an, it's an Etsy shop. What, how would you, I, I have a difficult time when I'm telling people like you have an Etsy shop sure. and I get like a, when they look at me, like they don't understand what I'm talking about. I don't really know how to explain what Etsy is. So Etsy is just a selling platform like Amazon, but Etsy is for handmade items okay. only or vintage like retro things that like antiques. So Etsy is the original handmade marketplace. So it's the Amazon of handmade things. Mm. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people know what Etsy is, but it's just like a, you could go to Etsy and search like kids joggers and they would pull up all the handmade kids joggers that are sold on Etsy and mine would be one of them. And how you make yours the top of the list is by having a really good shop reputation, getting five-star reviews, being a star seller, which means that you're getting all of your products out on time. You're responding to um, people's questions about your products within, like, it's half an hour you need to be responding to them. Um and so it's just a lot that goes into it. Um, also, I've taken several courses on like how to make your listing pop up like quicker or higher in like the search bar by what like what people are searching for. So you have to have like all of these keywords in there mm. that people will will help people find your listing versus, you know, there are probably 2,700 people that make kids clothes on Etsy. Wow. But at least, um, but you have to make sure, you know, you're adding like it's organic and you're like filling all of these boxes. And so when people go and search for it, hopefully mine pops up at the top, like close to the top. That's really cool. What percentage does Etsy take for themselves of your sales? So they have a listing fee. So just to have your item being set, like being shown, it's 20 cents for every like listing that you have. And then they take a 3% commission off of a sale. And then it's more or less depending on um, certain promos that they're doing if you use like their ad platform or things like that. Like sometimes I think the most that they've ever taken is like 5%, which is if, if it was an ad. So like if you run an Etsy ad and somebody 
clicks on mm. the listing from the ad, then it's basically like you're paying for advertising when someone buys something. Sure. Which is good and bad. Yeah. I, I mean, you don't that. have to pay up front, but then you have to pay if the ad works out for you. So. I know you and I have talked about getting your own website and there's pros and cons to that. Like sure. what do you, what do you think about that? Um, so I have looked into Shopify, which is one of the biggest, um, platforms to sell just, an, I mean, anything to make your own e-commerce, I guess, platform is Shopify. Like everyone uses that. Um, it's very user friendly. Um, but I mean, Etsy is like one of, like I said, like the Amazon of handmade goods. And so they do drive a lot of sales to my shop. And so I'm, I'm just nervous, honestly. And we were just talking about fear holding us back, but, um, but it's been going relatively well. Oh yeah. On Etsy. Yeah. So it's like, and it's, it's just easy, easier for me. Cause mm-hmm. I like, I know how to use it and, I wouldn't know like how to transition and then I'm the only one responsible. Like I'm the only one generating traffic to, you know, my social media. Um, like, yeah, I'm the only one bringing in customers. If I have a Shopify website, like I know that I'll pop up like on Google if people search like for a certain thing, but like I said, there's tons of other Shopify shops that are selling not the same thing as me, but kids' clothes. And so, yeah, I'm just a little apprehensive because then you do have to pay, I don't know, it's like 50 or or $100 a month just to have, the, have your own website. Mm. And then you pay like card processing fees and... Etsy, um, if you sell through Etsy, then you get a discount on your shipping um, through the, you know, USPS because there's so many people sending stuff so they have a contract through Etsy. So your Mm. shipping is cheaper than if you would just go to the post office and ship it. So those are things to consider. And you don't do any advertising. Uh, Just like your, your, your social media presence... Is pretty much all you're yeah, that's it. doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not paying for no any kind of ads. No. I did one time I ran like a Pinterest campaign. I like shared all of my listings to a Pinterest board and then paid for them to show it to people. But I think I only spent maybe $25. And it didn't seem to be <laughs> worth it to me. So I didn't do it ever again. Have you ever been questioned by someone saying that if you're a mom, you should be a mom 100% of the time? Um, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever been uh, accused of that. No, maybe by you. (laughs) All right. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I don't think I've ever been like. I get more of like, oh, you're a chiropractor and you're not using your degree. Mm, okay. I get that a lot. Like, oh, you went to school for it. Like, why aren't you practicing? Yeah. 
And we, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? That's kind of when you say like, you would kind of go into the explanation of, well, I have kids and. Oh yeah. I'm like, well, you know how I was when I had to leave Cora. I would just like, I sobbed for a lot. Like almost every day that I dropped her off, I would cry on the way to work and I would hate it. Mm. And I'd miss her so bad. And I just can't imagine leaving both of them. I mean, some yeah. some days I'm like, please, can I just go to the grocery store by myself? But not all day. Well, <laughs> not yeah. all day. That's a whole other conversation. And not yeah. having like someone, not that I didn't, we, we were so blessed by who we had taking care of Cora. Um, but Shout out I, to Kim. Yeah. Kim's going to listen to this. She probably won't, but if she does. We'll, we'll tell her to. Um, I just, I couldn't imagine taking them to daycare and I know that there's like there are some of my dear friends that they're like I cannot wait until I can take my kids to daycare which is great but it's just not just not my personality and yeah I just I just missed her so bad that I was like I need to find a way that I can stay home speak a little bit to the either soon to be moms out there or very new moms they have a baby that's two months old speak to them a little bit about you're aware of where they're at what they're feeling and maybe give them some words of wisdom some encouragement there's light at the end of the tunnel and it is not a train in all honesty um there's just there is <laughs> there's so much on social media that can help you as a new mom but there is so much on social media that can make you feel like you are not doing it right give me some specifics so when I was, when Cora was first born, I had really bad postpartum anxiety and it was not diagnosed, but it, there was just like some ir like irrational, irrational fears surrounding her um, and like her safety and things like that. And it just was a really isolated time for me. I felt like I was alone on this island with this baby that I didn't know. Like I felt like I, I didn't know how to take, like you don't know how to take care of this baby. Like they just send you home with this human to keep alive. And they're like, good luck. Um, and I mean, we were blessed with having a very supportive family, like my mom, your mom, came and helped but it can be a really trying time and I just you know you you got to get through it and you have to not be afraid to like talk to your partner and be like no I need I need your support you, you can say husband we don't we're not politically correct on this show talk to your husband <laughs> and tell him like hey I know that this baby is intimidating to you, but like if you could just change the diaper and they don't actually need to be fed because they were just fed 15 minutes ago and I just need a shower. So if you could hold them for 45 minutes, that would be ideal. Um, it's a time where people, real you find out how selfish you are 
because you're like, wow, I have no time. Like you don't, as a mom, you don't have any time to yourself, especially in those first 12 weeks. It's like sink or swim. It really is. It feels like you're drowning. Um, but it, it just gets so much easier and it gets so much better because not that the newborn stage is like horrific or anything. It's great. And there's like those precious times of like bonding and, but there's a lot of pressure that surrounds it. Like you have to, this is goes back to the social media thing. Like there, if you, if you want information that fits your agenda, it's on social media. So you just have to find it. Mm. So if you're struggling with breastfeeding and you Google like how to do X, Y, Z, it's going to come into every part of your social media. So when I was struggling with Cora not sleeping through the night, when she was, had her days and nights flipped and she was like up on, yeah. up all night. Yep. Um, that's all I saw on my social media was buy the sleep training course and buy this, like this swaddle and, you know, buy this pacifier and this sound machine. And like, it was just shoved down my throat that it's like, no, your child needs to be sleeping through the night. You're the one that's like, there's something wrong with you. Mm. And so that's what I meant by like, it can really be like damaging to you. Cause like, that's all I saw was like, why, why, why is your kid, if they're four weeks old, they should be sleeping eight hours a night and they're not, which is not true. Like it's not true at all. And you just kind of have to, I honestly had to get off social media for a little bit. Like mm -hmm. it was too much for me because there was just so, there was an overwhelm of information. Yeah. Cause you can find yourself just like Googling, like, are they supposed to be eating every two minutes? Cause that's what Cora did. And when they cluster feed mm. and you know, every X, Y, Z, like if you want to find a problem with your kids eating or sleeping, like it's out there. You, you can read about it. You can make yourself feel like a horrible mom, but you are chosen to be your child's mother. And so you have, you like know what's best for them. You really do. And I know so many people are like, oh, I don't have that motherly instinct. Then if you feel like you don't, then find some resources that will help you. That's, that's fine. And there's no shame in like asking people like, hey, is this what they're supposed to be doing? Or is this how they're supposed to be sleeping? Or, um, but just don't let it overwhelm you because there's so much information out there that it can be really overwhelming and there's conflicting things like don't co-sleep. Yes, close sleep, you know, things mm. like that, that I found very overwhelming in my first stage of motherhood. And then when we had Conrad, I felt like I was just as unprepared, mm. but then... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying you were. I'm just saying yeah. I can. Well, because I felt that way too. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> oh, we are here again. You kind, of, you. I was just surprised by like how much you kind of forget about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But that goes to show, like it, it might feel like it's really horrible, like right now. Yeah. But it's, I mean, they grow up and they 
they just become like your little best friends and it's it's great so take heart there are plenty of good times even right now you're you're right where you need to be so try not to stress (laughs) how do you find time to work out well, you are very supportive in that. You were actually very supportive this second go round with after having Conrad. Like I I definitely I knew after having postpartum anxiety with Cora that a big factor of that was like having, like I said, no time to myself at all. And I was like, I need I need and we had this conversation before Conrad was born. I told you that like I'm gonna need to prioritize like getting myself some time to myself because that's what really wore me down with Cora. And it was, and it wasn't your fault. It was because, because my anxiety was so bad. Like I wouldn't let you Hmm. like, I probably could have done better too, but yeah, but you could all like, I could have also just let you like, Hmm. even when like my mom was there, I wouldn't, go take a nap. Like I want my body wouldn't let me fall asleep. Cause I was like, well, no, something terrible is going to happen to my baby in hindsight. You know, that wasn't normal, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And so with Conrad, like as soon, I mean, before I was even cleared by cleared, I'm doing air quotes, yeah. um, by the, my midwife, I was like going for walks, like pretty like vigor, you know, getting after it um because I knew that that was so important to my mental health and I know you don't like that mental health phrase or whatever but it no I know I I no I I agree with you 100% I think if but I did I worked out through con like I worked out with Cora too like while I was pregnant um I don't like when people Sorry, just to interject there real quick. I don't think when people use the term like mental health, they're like, like oh, I just need to like have this cookie for my mental health or something unhealthy. Oh, sure. Like because their life is so stressful, so now they're gonna like self indulge for their mental health. That's what what I don't like when people sure. use it in that that context. Right. Um. But I I was pretty diligent with Conrad in the the second half of my pregnancy after I got over my morning sickness, all day sickness Mm, to like really stay on track and like work out. Um, because I wanted to be as healthy as I could in shape as I could, if you will, because I knew like there were those six weeks afterwards that, I mean, you know, from personal experience, like even taking like a week off of the gym, like you go back and you're like, man, I like lost so much of my momentum. So think of like having a baby going through that physical like labor and you know, like your muscles are all stretched out and out of place and your body's all like hormones are all over the place. And then you have to sit and you're told like, you can't even lift over five, like you can't even pick up your baby for the first two weeks or whatever. Well, you do, but they say not to. Yeah. Like the lady didn't even want me to vacuum my house. I was like, <laughs> um, I think it's all right. But I definitely didn't follow those guidelines, but I was listening to my body. 
and that's critical. Not everybody is aware of their body like you are, but you know, you're, 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 you're an athlete and we're, you, yes. ha- you have been an athlete right. and you've worked out like the majority of your life. And so you're that, and you're also a chiropractor. So you're very familiar with how you should feel. But a lot of people right. do like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take those six weeks off or sure. And there's definitely people that I'm friends with that would say that that's not like six weeks isn't enough time. Sure. Like you need more than that. But I didn't go back into like working out thinking I'm going to deadlift like 245 today. You know, it was like, no, I went on a 30 minute brisk walk. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't do like, yes, I, I think I did like a Peloton, like Tabata ride, like eight weeks postpartum. And I put it on my Instagram and <laughs> like, I got so many messages that day. Like, didn't you just have a baby? And it's like, well, yes, but that's. That's just how, like, that's just where I am. Yeah. That's not where everyone else needs yeah. to be. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. So, but it, that was after, like, I had started walking at, like, three weeks postpartum, and then I was doing the um, postnatal, like, core exercises and things like that. I didn't just, like, jump on, the, like, the Tabata ride wasn't, like, my first workout yeah. back, you know? Like, that's where I felt like I, I could go and I could push it. So. And had you had, like, a had you had a C-section or something like that, the circumstances would have been a of lot course, different. Of course, yeah. of course. Like, of course. Yeah. I, I didn't ever have to do that, so I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah. Um, we were blessed with, with, with uneventful. Conrad's was a, a little eventful, but nothing, like, to where it was, like, um, required more recovery for, for your body. Oh, yeah, no. But both of our both of our pregnancies were very thankful went well and your pregnancies am I is that am I supposed it's to say right. our your yeah yeah you I can just, own it I just said I'm not we're not polit- politically correct but I also <laughs> want to be like respectful to you and I don't know what I'm what I'm supposed to say there so we're gonna roll with it um I feel like you asked me a question with that that I didn't really answer I just no you do you absolutely that was that was all part of your words of wisdom to the okay. The young that was all all part of that okay. to, to the new new mom or the young mom, um, but just stemming from that though, that alone time is very critical, isn't it? And it, it, whether it's working out, whether it's like you said, going to the grocery store by yourself. Oh yeah, and um, I feel like there were even some times that like you would just like watch the kids, and you're like, just go like outside for a while, like just get you know, sometime, or you would take Cora, like, for play dates, because I was watching the kids all day, like, both of them all day, and then you would take her and go have some alone time with her, so that was very helpful for not only your relationship with Cora, but then I, I got to, like, sit, you know, Conrad was, like, eating or sleeping, and, you know, I got to sit and have 45 minutes to myself, quote, unquote, even though Conrad was there, but... He wasn't being like a needy there, you know. <laughs> I think we would both and I've I've said this many times just in conversations privately and then also on the show, just when you're a parent, you need that alone time. Yeah, I you mean you need that alone time. Ki- like, kids are so awesome. But they are always like they're always there. Yeah. Like 
you they and they need so much from you and it it is exhausting for sure i just i don't think it was encouraged much in in earlier generations mm-hmm. to have that alone that alone time and then also I'm, and i'm not i'm not picking on older generations but just i you know the old generations the the dads didn't help as much it's just the way it was right and so it was harder to get that alone time but i think as a mother now, yes <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's it, it is it was harder or is harder or whatever but that's um now they're it's it's become much more apparent that how necessary that is to get that time to yourself and i was i would say you're not gonna be any good you're not going to be any good for the people that you're responsible for if you don't take care of yourself right and there, it can definitely lead to some like bitterness or resentment of like i'm doing this all by myself so i or bitterness for who you're taking care of and yeah that, it's that harder. might be a little stretch when it's, it's your harder kids. to get mad at your kids yeah. though but yeah like I've heard of people being like resentful, like, oh, why did I even have kids? Like, because like I don't have a life anymore. Yeah, you're like I don't, there's I don't do anything that I enjoy, yeah. and but that's it goes back to like, well, that was your personal choice, which I know, yeah. I know. Don't get me wrong, I know that there are circumstances that don't like don't allow. Like, if you're a single parent and that's just your life like i understand like you're in the trenches all day but um if you are in a mutually like if if you're married um i feel like your husband should be carrying some of the weight when it comes to taking care of your children and he should recognize that it's not going to just benefit your her, but it's going to be, benefit your their relationship with her. Like, it's very helpful that when mom doesn't have a hundred percent of the burden, because then it it does leave more time for her to spend time with her husband. Yeah. All right. Well. Thanks for everything that you shared. And would you ever consider coming on again? Yeah, probably. Perfect. Perfect. All right. I'm going to say something to you I have not said to any other guest on the show. I love you. I love you too. (laughs) All right. A very special thank you to Mrs. Wietrich for coming on the show. This was a podcast that was long overdue, and I'm grateful our kids slept well enough to allow her and I to have this conversation. Make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram, at Inquire Inside. If you would, do me a huge favor and take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your story. Tag Hannah, tag the podcast, and tag Junebug Boutique. That would be amazing. I'll have Hannah's handle, the shop handle, and a link to Hannah's Etsy page in the show notes. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Inquire Inside, and we'll catch you next time.